This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. some really good news. When you have the presence of God in your life, you have all that you need. And that's important for us to remember, and it's important for us to know. One of the ways the Bible talks about God, he says, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And it's just a metaphoric way of saying that he has all resources. He's not lacking anything any wealth, whether it be spiritual, physical, and any other realm, God already possesses that. And so when we belong to God and we are in the presence of God, we are also benefiting from God's abundance in that sense. So I want us to think about that and to think about with the presence of God, you are having also the Holy Spirit of God in your life as well. And one way of thinking about that, the Holy Spirit is often depicted as fire. And when I think about fire, I think about fuel. I think about heat, like a pilot light. And I suppose one of the reasons this picture comes to mind right now is we recently had an incident where the hot water heater went out. Now, if your hot water heater goes out, there's the pilot light is definitely out. And what seems easy, where you normally just turn on the faucet and hot water comes out, There is no hot water in a case like that. And it takes a lot of extra work until you get it fixed. You may have to boil water to wash dishes or do different things and so on. Life is a little harder when that flame isn't there. And so when we think about the spirit of God, the spirit of God is that flame, is that flame that fuels everything. And without it, we're not going anywhere. (laughs) There's really no fuel. We're not going certainly where we want to be. So I want to just dial back a little bit and remind you, in the past, we've talked about divine GPS, God's guidance, God's provision, and God's steps. And so when we think about God's guidance, it really means understanding what his word is saying to us in any given moment. And in order to understand God's word, it means that we have to have the spirit of God, because the spirit of God is the one that interprets what that word means. There's the general word that's for all of us. And then there's the specific application for your life that God might have for you at this particular time. And we know from 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, that the wisdom of God is not the same as the wisdom of man. It far exceeds that. And it's only by the spirit of God that we're able to discern and interpret the wisdom of God, and to really know what it is that God is saying. So it's not just reading words on a page. You have to have the mind of God as you are reading so that you have full understanding. So in a sense, we know that when we have God's presence, we're getting God's guidance. When we have God's presence, we're also getting his divine provision, and we know him as Jehovah Jireh, or in other words, God, our provider. And whatever it is that you need, God already knows, 
and he already has it. You don't have to worry about anything because as we've also mentioned before in Matthew 6, it says, seek first his kingdom and all of these things that we worry about such as food, shelter, and clothing, those things will be taken care of by a God who knows already that we need those things. And then if we think about divine steps, knowing where to go, what to do in any given circumstance and instance, one advantage of divine presence and having God's divine presence is we also are connected to God by prayer. Prayer is that vehicle that we use for communication and in talking to God. And as we're waiting in prayer to have him speak back to us, that helps to lead us into the next steps. We've talked about many biblical people who through prayer waited to see what God would do and how God would lead them into their next step. So that's a very powerful aspect of having God's presence is that relational connection through prayer. We also get to know God is Jehovah Rapha for any healing that may be needed in our lives. When I think about this time of the pandemic, and I think of you in your workplace, you may have people who have been ill, people who have had the COVID-19 virus. Maybe they're recovering from that now. Perhaps there are some ongoing and lingering after effects that your people are trying to get over. And this is an occasion and an opportunity for you to pray for their healing, even as they're recovering. There are other people who are ill or have some negative physical effects because they may have had a vaccine reaction. So some people didn't react very well to the vaccine. And because of that, they may be suffering blood clots. They may be having a heart condition. And particularly, this is true amongst young men. And again, there is Jehovah Rapha, Rapha meaning healer and we can access God for that healing. You can pray over people in your workplace because you have the presence of God with you. I also want to talk about how that with God's presence, we also get strength and courage to operate before our enemies or to operate in very daunting or difficult circumstances. And similarly, when in those difficult circumstances, we can still have the joy of the Lord in trials and in difficulties. Let me give some specific examples about difficulties and walking through difficulties from those in the Bible who experience some challenge. So for example, Paul and Silas in the 16th chapter of Acts, there's a story about them because they were in jail in a Philippian jail. And the reason they were jailed is because there was a servant girl who was possessed by a demon. And because of this demon possession, she was able to tell fortunes. And from the fortune telling, her owners made a lot of money. And so when Paul and Silas kept seeing this girl over and over again, and she kept calling after them, saying that they were men from God and so on and so forth, they cast the demon out of her. And when they cast the demon out of her, she was no longer able to tell fortunes as she had done in the past 
which meant that her owners were not going to make the money. They weren't going to be as prosperous. They were very upset. And so they grabbed Paul and Silas, took them to the authorities to have them jailed. And so they were jailed because of this incident. Now, it was around midnight in the jail, and they're in chains and and locked up in there, and they are singing. They are singing hymns. Mind you, they're prisoners. They're jailed. There's no prospect of them getting out anytime soon, but they still have the joy of the Lord in the midst of the trials and circumstances that they're going through. And as the story goes, an earthquake arose and it caused all of their chains and the doors to be opened. And so they could have escaped, but none of the prisoners escaped. And Paul and Silas didn't escape. The Philippian jailer didn't know that. And of course, back in those days, if you let prisoners escape for whatever reason, you were going to lose your life. So he pulls out his sword and he's prepared to kill himself, thinking that they've all escaped. And Paul says, we're all still here. Don't do yourself any harm. And they brought a light in and found out all the prisoners were there. And this man then fell down and said, what must I do to be saved? Because he recognized that these men had something special that through this circumstance and this trial, they could still have the joy of the Lord. And when faced with an opportunity to escape, they did not. And so this man, therefore, learns about God that night, he and his whole family, and they actually are saved. So this is Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail in Acts, the 16th chapter. I also want to mention that in Acts, the 12th chapter, we have another account of Peter. Peter is in jail, and Herod has already killed James, the brother of John, and he's found out that this is acceptable to the people. They're glad that this is going on. So he says, I'm going to get me one of these other apostles and I'm going to kill him too. So he's planning to kill Peter and Peter is supposed to go to trial. And it's going to be one of those I'll call kangaroo type trials the next day. Now, just to be sure that Peter doesn't escape, they assigned four squads of soldiers to him. And each squad of soldiers probably had about 10 people. They also have Peter chained to two guards on either side of him, and there's a guard posted at the door. There's not much chance Peter is getting out of this situation heavily guarded as he was. However, in the midst of all of this, Peter is asleep. And while Peter is asleep, an angel of God comes into the jail The two guards on either side of him don't see the angel, don't wake up. I suppose they're asleep too. And the angel tells Peter to get up. The chains are broken. He tells him to put on his tunic, his belt, get his sandals on. And they walk right through the walls out of the jail. And they walk through the first watch of the night, the second watch of the night. And when they get to some gates and the gates automatically open up to the city. And at that point, when he's well on his way, the angel that God sends leaves. And so Peter goes to a house where believers are all gathered together, praying for his release from jail. And so he goes to the door and knocks on the door and the servant girl, Rhoda, answers the door and says, who is it? And he says, it's Peter. And, you know, of course she doesn't believe it's Peter. Peter's in jail. And she shuts the door. Do you think about a peephole? And she goes and tells him, Peter's at the door. He says it's Peter. 
And so they go and let Peter in and he explains this miraculous situation that's happened. And while it was happening, Peter wasn't sure it was really true. He thought he was dreaming something until he found himself truly free on the street and the angel of God was gone. So when we think about having the presence of God, the presence of God comes with great power, power to release people out of prison, power to have people joyful in difficult circumstances, whatever you need, that's what God provides in these circumstances. Paul, of course, later on went on to Rome later in his life, and he, as the Christian narrative goes, he died by beheading, ultimately. We know that John the Baptist was also beheaded. Many people were martyred for their faith. Many people today, particularly in countries where the gospel is not welcome, are still being martyred today. If you have the presence of God, you are able to walk through all of those circumstances, even if you lose your life in this life. Because guess what? We are all going to die. It's just a question of when. So when some of the apostles were told in Acts, the fourth chapter, that they should really stop teaching this doctrine that they were teaching, and they said, you know, we leave it to you to determine whether it's right to follow God and what he's saying and to listen to him or to listen to you. You judge which is the best thing to do. And of course, they continued to teach and preach throughout the region because they had a higher authority in terms of where they were getting their instructions from. So when we are in the presence of God, he's resourcing us for everything that we're going to face here on this earth and in this life. And then ultimately, that presence of God that doesn't end with the ending of this life. It actually continues into our eternal life with God too. So you can be in his presence now and you can be in his presence later. Now we're in his presence in the physical body and also in the spirit man. And later when the physical body is shed, we're still in his presence in the spiritual sense. So I want to read something from Acts, the fourth chapter. And this is right after that incident when Peter and John were told not to speak about, you know, this word anymore and not to continue teaching as they were teaching. And they said they were going to listen to God rather than to man. And they go on to say, starting in the 23rd verse, they say, because they had been detained and it says, and being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants 
that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So since I am speaking to you as a ministry leader, when you have the presence of God at work, you will be able to do everything that God is calling you to do, even if it's a difficult task, even if it's a difficult stance. And through your prayers, God will lead you through the prison doors and the prison walls. God will lead you to the gate of the city that opens up before you, and he will give you the boldness that you need to speak the word in season that needs to be said, even if it's not a popular word. So just remember, you are salt, you are light, and you are representing God even in your workplace. And when you have his presence, there is nothing you need that you don't have. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening, and remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.